Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. And in your Bibles tonight, if you will, turn to Genesis chapter 3. We'll go back. We're looking at some things. You know, all of its evil originates with the devil. The devil is a liar. I said he's a liar. He wants to lie to you. He wants to tell you things in your mind. And I believe that the power of lying is on this earth right now like it never has been. A lot of people are subject to it. A lot of people are living under the, under the sway of it. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs that, that people lie. When they lie, the lies that they tell, the people that it affects, they hate those people. They hate them. And, you know, there's people, uh, this world's full of hate. It's full of deception. It's full of, and listen, the church has to be so separated from that. We're called to walk in love. I saw some things I was reading the other day in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and uh, read that love chapter and, and man saw some things. I'm making some notes, going to teach on that. Actually, it's going gonna, it's gonna to dovetail real good together with this. But listen, we begin to look at some things last week and these are not, these principles and these truths are not something that, you know, some government came up with. They're not political. These are spiritual truths and realities because you got to understand spiritual truths and realities lie on, 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 on two different sides. There's a side of right and light and righteousness and life, and then there are spiritual truths and realities that are unique, unique to death and darkness and all kinds of things that are of the devil and demon powers. You know, that's one thing we as, as, as a church need to be is we need to be very aware of our enemy and of, of his tactics because listen, he is a rat. He doesn't play by the rules. He's a criminal spirit. And he does seek to steal, kill, and destroy. He's, he's doing that today like, 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 like never before. Can you imagine as he begins to see the, 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 the signs of the end of the age coming and all that's beginning? He's on a clock, an eternal being that's on a clock. And he knows once the church is taken out, he has seven years till he's going to be bound and thrown into hell for a thousand years. Well, that, I, I tell you, that's not a very good prospect. So he's active. I tell you, he's active like he hadn't been. I believe there has not been a demonic and activity of darkness upon the earth since the crucifixion. I believe crucifixion day was a day in which the demonic activity upon this earth just went off the charts. They thought they had him. They thought they had him. Oh, but did they ever make a mistake? Three days and three nights later, they figured out they made a big mistake. Amen. Yeah. Now, these principles that we looked at last week are principles of darkness. They're principles that lie over in the realm of darkness in which the enemy wants to control and manipulate and intimidate people. We talked about demoralization, what that is, how destabilization, how crisis, and how all of these things are conducive to bring people out of this light and bring them right over here into this darkness and cause your life to be a living hell. God does not want that. And over the years, there's been different governments that have fallen to those types of things and that have lived in that type of bondage in which literally the entire structure of the system is an absolute lie. Absolute lie. And in the midst of it, God has risen up revival. In Russia, the old Soviet Union, Eastern, uh, Eastern Europe, over in Nicaragua, I believe Cuba's fixing to break wide open. The Spirit of God moved there like never before. 
China. There's great revival, always has been in China. Different places like that. I've even heard, well, I'm, I'm not going to say that because if I do, I know we're, we're live streaming. I don't want that to get out. But God's moving all over the world. Amen. Isn't that good? Now, we see this all the way back in the garden. Remember the book of Genesis is a book of beginnings. We see things that began in the book of Genesis and have run throughout human history. Creation, the fall, sin, unrighteousness, these principles here. The woman fell into it. The man fell into it. Their entire life got destabilized. They ate of the fruit. Their life went into crisis. And man ended up in a brand new normal. Now let me show you something tonight. This will help you. We know what the woman did. She, she listened to that serpent. He got a hold of her eyes and her flesh. She listened to the lie. It says, and when the woman saw, notice that she's not, not in the spirit, she's in the flesh now, saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took. Everybody say she took. Took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her. And he did eat. The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Boy, isn't this sad, isn't it? And they heard the voice of the Lord. They heard. They heard the voice of the Lord. They could still hear God walking in the garden in the, in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. So look at the difference in their response to God. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Did you know that's going on in the church right now? There's people that all of this stuff that's going on has created, a, has created a climax in their life in which they've just pulled back from God. They're hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord. Don't do that. Don't do that. It says the Lord God called. It's one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. The Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? He said, I heard thy voice in the garden. Now here it is. And I was afraid. The new normal. I was afraid. Man has been subject to and has lived in fear ever since that scripture. Fear is a force in this world that has been manipulated, that has been controlled, that has been grown, that has mastated to what it is right now. And they understand, those that, those that operate in that dark system understand how powerful they are when they can control people by fear. Amen. The Bible says way, way back in the, in the New Covenant, fear hath torment. But thank God perfect love casteth out all fear. And you've got to understand how fear will try to work in your life to try to get you out of the presence of God, to try to get you out of the provision of God, to try and break your life into those, those, those dramas that begin to happen, that demoralization begins to happen in your life, all of that destabilization begins to happen to you, then crisis comes and you're the one that accepts the new normal based on the fear that is coming to your life. Everybody say, not me. Not me. Say, not me. not me. The days that we're living in and the days that are ahead of us. Now let me just say this, and I'm not... I'm not mad at anybody, I'm not, but I am concerned. If you think you can live for God the way you lived for God at this time last year and make it in the next few months, you, you're, you're wrong. You will not make it. You will not make it. There is, a, there is a strategy against you. There is an assignment against you. 
They're, they're, the, the enemy is targeting you. You say, no, no, come on, Pastor. Now listen, every one of you in here, you carry a potential. There is an agreement in you. There is a faith in you. When we come together, there is a spirit of faith. We are able to move mountains. We're able to speak into the spirit realm. There is a stirring going on in this church, unprecedented in this area. We are seeing it. We're living in the midst of it. And the enemy would want nothing more to, than to just take you out and cause you to end up living a life in fear, and you don't really even know that. You don't even, re even recognize it, but in reality, that's what it is. Fear is the most powerful force of separation on the earth. Fear separates just like death does. Let me say that again. Fear separates just like death does. Death uses fear to separate people many times. Or excuse me, fear uses death to separate many times people from common sense. It's amazing how that happens. And when, when, when Adam made that statement, now notice what he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid and the first thing man feared was his creator. Now can you imagine? He hadn't been kicked out of the garden yet. Judgment hadn't fell upon him and the woman. There's been no, nothing said, nothing done. All, all he did was declare the new normal of that which had moved into his life. I lived by faith. I lived by the Spirit. I was created to walk with God in the cool of the day in Eden. Now fear has come into my life and we know the result of it. Because of fear, he could not live in the garden. Because of fear, he could not fellowship with God the way he used to. Before, because of fear, spiritual death, death manifested. And because of fear, physical death showed up and manifested in eternal death. That's why I thank God that the Bible says that Jesus has broken the power of death, the fear of death, because we were all subject to it. Now, I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Real familiar story. But I want you to see how this works. Because if there's anything in your life that you're afraid of, now, you, you know, there, there's... You, you, you've got, you can't get in the ditch with any subject in the Word of God. I'm not a, I, I don't like rattlesnakes. I, I don't want to handle one. I don't want to see one. I, if I see one, I'm going to kill it Amen. with a long stick or a gun. You know, I'm not going to get near it. Say, so are you afraid of a rattlesnake? Yes, I'm not stupid. Well, you have a fear. No, I don't. No, I, I'm not a, I don't have a fear of them. You see what I'm saying? You've got to understand something, church. A lot of people... Their new normal has become a way of living with a fear in their life. And they've lived with it long enough now that it, that's what it seems like. Normal. I, 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 uh, uh, who was it? It was George, George and I were hunting a, a year, year or two ago. I forget when it was. And he killed a big old rattlesnake. And it, I, I mean, when I saw it, I felt the emotion of that. I got, I got out of the truck that, mor that morning or afternoon. I forget what it was. And I saw this fresh... Uh, a snake skin laying there. And I told George, I said, George, there's a snake around here somewhere. And he stepped over to a bush and he says, it's this black, was it a black runner or something like that laying in the bush? He says, this black runner. Then he turned around and I hear, boom! He says, there's a rattlesnake. <laughs> and sure enough, it was a big old rattlesnake. About, and, and just seeing it, I felt that emotion. Just, But you, did you know that was gone in about 10 minutes? I mean, it was gone. It wasn't it. The, the snake was dead. It wasn't there. But I walked pretty gingerly the rest of the day. 
Amen. <laughs> there was a new normal for me that afternoon. Put it that way. Now, in, 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 in 1 Samuel 17, this is the story of David and Goliath. But I want you to see something in this story tonight that will help you and help you understand exactly what the enemy is trying to do. One of the things we've been telling people, don't sit in front of that TV for hours at a time. Don't go and, and listen to all that's going on and hearing this. Well, we need to hear this side and we need to hear that side. No, you just need to hear the Word. The Word will get you through. The Word will give you a foundation to stand upon. The Word will empower you. The Word will get rid of your fear. And the Word will help you receive from God in the midst of all the craziness that's going on. Now, here's a situation that's subject to fear. There's a big old giant. Bible historians say he could have been 11 foot. Boy, I tell you, that's big. They say 9 and a half to 11 feet. That's a big dude. A big dude. Now, he's out there and he's challenging Israel. Now, the real fear, now, now you could see someone like that and, and, and be afraid and have fear, but really what was causing the fear was the challenge. Now, here it was. He's getting up and he's saying, everybody's saying, now listen, see, ain't none of you Israelites want to fight with me. Send me a man. Send me someone that I might fight with. And if you beat me, then all of the Philistines will all be your slaves. But if we beat you, then all of Israel will be, you, you'll go into slavery. You're going to be our slaves. So what, what happens when that kind of report happens? Day after day, you're being conditioned. It happened day after day after day. You're being conditioned. Amen. And what you're being conditioned to is not the reality of what's going on right now. It's being conditioned to something that might, ha that might happen. That might happen. Now, you, now you just learned something about fear. Because fear tries to project itself into your future and create calamity. Job said, that which I greatly feared. See, what here it was over there. That which I greatly feared, it came upon me. You understand that? That's what fear does. You project, it projects out into your future and tries to manifest what it's causing you to capture in your mind, think on, worry on. That's what negative meditation is, is worry. And it just starts the process of it coming right at you. Well, faith is the same way. Faith projects an a, a image in your mind of a healing, a, a, of a financial breakthrough, of something that God is doing in your life. And you begin that process of speaking the word and worshiping God. And not only does it come at you, but you go at it. Now here's this big giant. Now listen, look at this. This is very interesting. I never saw it like this before until the Lord began to stir me in that direction. He said, the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together. Uh, at Shekoa, which belongeth unto Judah, and pitched between Shekoa and Ezekiah in, how do you say that one? That's good, I'll take that. I can't see it, I got a glare on it. And Saul and the men of Israel, no, no, Saul and the men of Israel gathered together and pitched in the valley of Eli and set the battle in array against the Philistines. So they're there to fight. Everybody with me? Soldiers, there to fight. This isn't, you know, a bunch of uh, weaklings or people that, no, these, these are soldiers. They're trained. They're there to fight. Amen? And so it says the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side. Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And a valley was between them. And there went out a champion. Now notice this. There went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath. And he was six cubits and a span, about 11 foot tall. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head. And he, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, and he had greaves of brass 
upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. That's in the back. Those are, those are defensive weapons, uh, armor, like a, like a bulletproof vest. He's got on all this armor. Amen. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. Now notice this. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said... Now, you've got to get this. This is exactly how the enemy uses fear to manipulate you, to try and bring uh, demoralization into your life, to try to cause all kinds of dysfunction to happen and to bring crisis and to present you with a new normal of living. He begins with the visual. Who's that big guy coming over there? You remember the first day they were there, they pitched their tents. They're all there, and they're all standing there. They wonder how the battle's going to go. Are we going to go down the valley? All fight to go. What's going to happen? All of a sudden, they see the camp of the Philistines, and here comes one guy. Who is this guy? Maybe they're coming to surrender. Talk some, you know, talk the terms of surrender. Or maybe they're not wanting to fight. Or maybe, and as, as they want, so somebody probably spoke up and said, that's a big dude. That dude's big. And then as he got closer and closer, that's a really big dude. Look at the size of his, look at the size of his spear. Look at the head on that spear. Oh, my God. So he's, he's creating a visual. And all of them are receiving, and through their information gates, a visual. Remember our little song? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes. That's what's going on. And there he stands. The devil knew just what he was doing with this guy. He's standing there, and he's standing there as a threat. As a threat. Then he begins to what? He didn't hand him a piece of paper. He didn't give him some kind of document to read. He began to do what? Notice what it says. He began to cry out. One translation says this. He began to scream violently at the top of his voice. Now we've gone from visual to audio. Now you've got two information gates wide open receiving information conducive to an emotional response. Here's why. You're not seeing what you want to see and you're not hearing what you want to hear. Now think about that for a minute. You're not seeing what you want to see. Now listen, beware of the wiles of the devil. Beware of his traps. Listen, we're going to have to be so, we're going to have to be so trained in these last days. There is a visual, there is, a, there is an audio, there is a dual working of information coming into all, all this, this entire army and Saul by one guy. By one guy. But then comes the information. The visual and the audio is designed to create a flow of information. A flow of information. Now notice what happens. He gets up and he cries. Now notice. He stood and cried unto the armies. He's speaking to the whole, whole army of Israel and said unto them, Why have you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. Now, here we go. Are you ready? He takes this entire drama. I don't know how many men were in that army. I imagine there's probably several thousand. And he broke their unity by making the challenge personal. Now think about that for a minute. You say, what do you mean? You know what they should have done when he did that? 
About 200 of them should have just took off running and run him through with a bunch of spears and left him kicking in the sand. That's what they should have done. Is there a fair in ancient war where they hack each other with big hatchets? Are there rules of engagement? Is there the, what was it, the, 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 the Swiss, uh, oh, the, the, the Geneva Convention? They should have kept their, one unit should have just run up there and chopped him into a, a bunch of little bitty bits and said, there, got anyone else you want to send down here for a challenge? Amen. Come on, church. But it broke their unity. And when it broke their unity, then for everyone it became personal. And instead of looking at the giant, they begin to look at each other. And when you start looking at each other, you start finding faults. Why isn't Bob going? He's taller than me. <laughs> Amen. He's been in the army longer than I have. And Jimmy over there, he ain't even married. I got four kids. So here comes what? The blame and the excuses. Could you imagine what that camp must have been like from that first day into about the 10th day, 15th day, 30? Could you imagine what was going on in that camp? I mean to tell you, they were probably in so much turmoil, strife. There were people wanting to quit, people wanting to run, all over one man. All over one man. But he had gotten to them. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get to you. He's doing everything he can do to get to you. He comes for to steal, kill, and destroy. He seeks those who he may devour. That's why you got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He does this day after day after day. Now notice what he does in verse 10. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Now he does it again. What do they call it in the, in the news media? He doubles down. That's what he's doing. He's doubling, he's doubling down. Give me a man that we might fight together. See, he knew, ain't no man in that army a match for me. I'm a, I'm a skilled warrior. I've been a warrior all my life. I'm bigger than anybody. I'm a bully. I'm mean, and I'm not one of those bullies that you, that you I'm a real bully. You know what a real bully is? One of those guys you, you pull back and you whack them hard as you can right on the button, and they smile. That's, that's Goliath. Amen? And there he stands, and he's doing the exact Plan of the devil, the visual, the audio, the division, the breaking of unity. Instead of looking at the enemy, they're looking at each other. So you got a mess going on. You got an army fixing to be defeated, and you've got a nation fixing to go into slavery. Now think about that. You got an army fixing to be defeated, and you've got a nation that's fixing to go into slavery. But about 17 years ago, Samuel made a visit to Jesse's house. And at Jesse's house, there's a little boy that just sat under a tree playing a little harp, watching the sheep and worshiping God. And he was actually an armor bearer to Saul. When the war started, he went back to his father, did the responsible thing, went out and kept his father's sheep. His father gave him an assignment to go to the army and bring them food. He left, his, he left his sheep with a keeper. He left the carriage with a keeper. And he shows up. Now, now listen, this is, this is so good from this, from this angle. It says in verse 11, when Saul and Israel heard, didn't say listen, said heard 
those words of the Philistine. They were dismayed, now notice this, and sorely afraid. One translation says their fear was on a level of agitation one against another. See any of that going on today? But I love verse 12. Now David was the son of the Ephraimite of Bethlehem of Judea, whose name was Jesse, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons. And the man went among men, oh, my time's almost up, for an old man in the days of Saul. And three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of these sons that followed to the battle were Elam, the firstborn, next to him Abinadad, and then Shammah. And David the youngest, David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. It says, uh, David went and returned from Saul to, to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Philistine drew near morning and evening, presented himself 40 days. Everybody say 40 days. See, after 40 days, something's fixing to happen. And Jesse said unto David, Take now for thy brother this ephath of parched corn, these ten loaves, run to the camp to thy brother, and carry these ten cheeses to their thousands, and look how the brethren fare and take their pledge. He just basically just, just go serve them. Your brothers need something, you do it for them. And Saul and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Eli fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took and went as Jesse had commanded. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. And Israel and the Philistines put the battle in array, army against army. And David and his carriage... Uh, David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper and ran and ran and came and saluted his brother. Now notice, and as he talked with them, behold, there came the champion of the Philistines. So obviously this, was, this is what was happening. You've got the two armies, one here and one here. They were falling down into this, into this valley in a battle. And as the battle would transpire in the midst of the fighting, this, this guy would appear. And what would that do? It would get everybody's attention. Everybody's attention would go right to him. First of all, because Philistine call, the Philistines called him who? Their champion. And then Israel saw him as someone who's going to put him in slavery. So all the attention went to him, and he made his cha charge, and he made his challenge, and that didn't cause the battle to go to another level. It called, caused Israel to run. They'd run every time. They'd been doing that for 40 days. Could you imagine how disheartening that was? Could you imagine how demoralizing that was? Could you imagine how many times they'd looked at Saul who was head and shoulders above everybody else and said, why don't you do it? But here comes this little shepherd boy. He ain't, he, he ain't got nothing. He, he, he's a nobody to them. It says, uh, it says, and he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, uh, the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same word, I notice this, and David heard them. So the same thing is happening to David. He's getting, an, he's getting a visual, and he's getting an audio, and he's also, the same power of that visual and audio had been reaffirmed and reconfirmed throughout this camp for 40 days. So it's got some power. It's got some, some momentum. It has an ability to get everyone's attention. He heard it. But now notice this. David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel, and the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel? Is he come up 
And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and he will give him uh, his daughter and make his father's house free, or he won't have to pay taxes in Israel. See, Saul knew the only way to do something about this is to offer a reward. Everybody say reward. Did you know there is any, a reward for not falling into the traps of the adversary? Did you know there is a reward for not falling into fear and dismayment? Did you know there is a reward for every person who will square his shoulders and say, I will not bow, I will not bend, I will not burn. I'm going to serve God in these days with all my heart. He said, David spake unto the men that stood by. He said, what should be done unto the man that killeth this Philistine? I love this. You can always already tell he's different. And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this, now listen to it, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living? You cannot say that without emotion. He did not whisper that. You cannot say that without emotion. He was like, what? What's everybody running for? Who is this dude? This uncircumcised, uncovenanted Philistine that he should rise up and defy the armies of the living. Well, you better get that, you better get that in your own backbone. And say, what is this disease that has tried to get into my body? What is this financial problem that's trying to destroy me? What is this thing in my mind that's causing me to be depressed and causing fear? What is this? Amen. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to change. Everybody say change. The people answered him after the same manner, saying, so shall, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And he looked at his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the man, and Elam's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why comest thou down hither? See, now he's, already, he's jaded. Did you know he's jaded from 40 days? 40 days. 40 days of discouragement. 40 days of disheartenment. 40 days, listen, 40 days of meditating on the new normal of what's going to happen to my wife and daughters. Come on. You talk about fear, buddy. There was some fear there. It was palpable. They knew it. He said, for I know thy pride, the naughtiness of thy heart. Isn't it amazing how people who really walk in faith, they're always, they're always like arrogant, full of pride. If I had a nickel for everybody, every time somebody called me arrogant or full of pride, I'd have a lot of nickels. <laughs> Because every time anybody, you're just arrogant and full of pride. I'm like, okay. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I done? Is there not a cause? Now this is something you better consider. The cause of you serving God like you've never served God before. Praying like you've never prayed before. Coming to church like you've never come to church before. Giving like you've never given before. Doing everything you knew to do, know to do that's righteous and holy like you've never done it before. Is there not a cause? We are in the last of the last days. This earth is shaking. We're cocooned out here on this little obscure island on the Texas coast and it doesn't seem like a whole lot's going on here or there. But you get out and you listen to what's going on in this world. And honey, this world is shaking right now under this very spirit that was there in the valley of Eli that day. And it's time that some Davids rise up and say, what is this uncircumcised bunch of garbage? 
Amen. Can I, you want me to finish it? You want to do it next? Probably need to finish it, all right? Then he turned toward another and spake after the same manner. The people answered him after, after the former manner, saying, The words which were heard, David spoke and rehearsed them before Saul. And he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man, now listen to this, let no man's heart fail thee because of him, thy servant. See, he didn't see himself as a king, saw himself as a servant. Will go and fight with the Philistines. Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine and fight with him. For thou art a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. I went after I went after him. I went after him. I went after him. I. I did something. The devil came and did something. I did something when the devil did something. I did something. Come on. I did something. I went out after him, smote him, delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and I killed him. Well, you're just arrogant for the pride. Amen. Come on, church. I love this. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord. When I did something, God got involved. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord that delivered me from the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now you could have stood, stood there and said, Now wait a second. The, audio, the visual and the audio are not lining up here. This guy ain't that big. He has no armor. He's standing there with cheese and bread. He's standing there with cheese and bread. But then something more powerful than what you see begin to happen. And that is what you say. And David's words were saturated with the covenant. Did you hear what I just said? I said David's words were saturated with the covenant. He saw Goliath through the eyes of God. The same God that told Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse them that curse thee. That was rolling in his mind. And I guarantee you as he began to prepare for that battle, he began to think about the victories, the bear, the lion, the other victories. He felt that warm oil that flowed down his head and onto his stinking body that day as he was not ready for the banquet. He was keeping the sheep. He could still smell the smell of that apothecary ointment upon his body and clothes. Goliath didn't have a chance. Because out of all of the thousands of men that were on that field that day, there was one that had faith and he wasn't even a soldier. And God showed us in the word a lopsided victory. Everybody knows every religion on the planet. The Buddhists know it. The Muslims know it. The Hindus know it. Every religion on the planet knows about the shepherd boy that killed the giant. You say, why? 
because it was a shepherd boy that killed the giant. It's not an Aesop fable. It's not Disney on display. It is the Word of God destroying the visual, destroying all of the, of the disheartenment, the discouragement, all of the, all of the unsettlement, all of the new normal of 40 days, and God coming in and intervening on behalf of one guy who made a decision. This ain't going to happen to me. Daddy ain't going to be a slave. Mama ain't going to be a slave. I'm not going to be serving the Philistines. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Listen, there needs to come a, a militant spirit in the church. We have worshipped God and enjoyed the presence of God and the power for a lot of years and kind of kept it in a corner, in a box somewhere. And sometimes when people are challenged, they're a little like, eh, you know, I really don't go to that church, but I, I've visited a time or two, you know. <laughs> but the Bible says those that know their God will do exploits. And God is looking for some people today, not to be politically correct and get involved in all of the rhetoric, but to stand up for God, for what God has done for us in Christ, to be the men and women of authority, power, and most importantly, the love of God. The lost element on this planet that the world has never tasted of is the love of God right now. And the love of God is manifested how? Not in an emotion, not in a feeling, but in that which God continually gives to anybody who's willing to step up and say, I'll receive it because I can't do nothing else with my life. I can't do nothing with this diagnosis. I can't do nothing with this financial problem. I've got to have something in my life that will take and deliver me from that which I cannot deliver myself from. And when we get to that level, God's, God's moving us in that direction where people are beginning to rise up and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy that which God desires to do? in our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Lift your hands and thank God. Father, we worship you tonight. We will not settle for any new normal that is not of you. We will not build into our minds through visual or audio. We will only allow the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God, the rhema of God, that which is of God Almighty. We will live in faith and not fear. We will live in faith and not fear. We will live in faith. We will speak faith. We will act in faith. We will worship in faith. We'll give with faith. We'll build with faith. We'll do with faith that which has not been done. And Father, we'll see a unity. We'll break all of this individual, individuality when God is calling us to a unity in a place of peace and righteousness. Devil, you are defeated. You are defeated. Not going to be. Not someday might be. You are defeated and you are under our feet. And we will not yield nor submit to your plans of intimidation, manipulation, or control of our lives. We shall live by faith in Jesus' name. Fathers, we leave tonight as we do by faith. 
we declare our protection, our safety, and our deliverance. We declare no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place, that angels have charge over us. We declare that that same covenant that David acted on that day in the valley of Eli belongs to us in Christ today in a greater measure. We will not fear. We thank you as we travel in the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation. Lord, in the righteous labor of our hands, in everything that you've given us, from what seems like nothing to something that is very important, we value and surround it with faith and love that has been given to us. No accidents, no trauma, no terror, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. Father, tonight as we leave, move upon our hearts and spirits, open doors of utterance, make us sensitive to your moving so that we can be the light, the salt, that which you're using in this day and hour to be an answer to people's prayer, problems to the adversary, a miracle in people's life. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.